Good to see all of you here this morning. I don't know if you're like me, but uh, one of the things that gets me into the Christmas spirit is actually hearing Christmas carols. How many just love Christmas carols? I love getting in the car at the end of August and turn on the radio and hearing Christmas carols. It's getting that way, isn't it? It's getting earlier and earlier. What, what are some of your favorite Christmas carols? Just yell them out. What's some of your favorites? White Christmas, okay. Oh, Holy Night, okay. What else? Mary, did you know? You know what Ruth Brooks did, our elderly matriarch of our church who's been here forever, the most spiritual person in our church? She said jingle bells. So we escorted her out. We had the ushers escort her out. So spiritual. Anybody else? Favorite? I'm waiting for mine. I haven't heard it yet. Okay. Who said it? Who said Silent Night? Yes, Silent Night. How many of you love Silent Night? Love Silent Night. Um, That's such a traditional... It's, it's well over 200 years old, and we always sing it to finish our Christmas Eve service. And um, maybe the church that you grew, grew up in, maybe you had a, if you grew up in church, you had a candlelight service at Christmas Eve, and we always sing that at the end. Isn't that special for those of you that attended our Christmas Eve service at the end? We have our candles, and we sing Silent Night. Isn't that, I, I love that. How many of you like that? That's, that's a good thing. And listen, even if you're in the overflow, in the basement, we'll still get candles to you, okay? So we'll still get them to you. I, um, so that's, Silent Night has to, be, has to be one of my favorites. I know my daughter, Lily, she's 19 now, but when she was a baby, she, she liked for me to sing to her at, at night, sing a Christmas carol. And it was always a way in a manger, a way in a manger. And it, it could be mid-July, and she'd want a way in a manger. She loved, we wore, we wore it out. And uh, so I love the season. I love uh, Christmas carols, and it just gets me into the mood. And what we've been doing um, is, is looking at uh, Jesus in the Psalms. And what I want to look at today is the lordship of Jesus. There is a stanza in, in, in the Christmas carol, Silent Night, that says this. It says, Silent Night, Holy Night, Son of God, Love's Pure Light, Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace jesus lord at thy birth jesus lord at thy birth and what we know about the incarnation of god jesus christ is that he was lord at his birth now if this is true this changes everything and what i want to look at today is the lordship of jesus christ and how understanding the lordship of Jesus Christ, how that should transform our living and the way we live our everyday lives, if we truly understand the lordship. We, 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 many of us understand the salvation part, that Jesus came to die for our sins on the cross, and, and we understand that it's only through his work through the cross um, and bearing our sins upon himself that we can find forgiveness of our sins and be made right before God. But there's these titles of Jesus that I want you to see that the Old Testament and the New Testament bring out about the character of Jesus and who he is and how that should transform the way we live our lives. A common question that many people have when they look into the belief of Christianity, maybe you have been asked this question before, is the authenticity of Jesus. Is he really who he says he is? Can we know for sure that Jesus is God? Now, this is the same question people had of the coming Messiah. Is Jesus really who he says he is? And Old Testament uh, prophecy is there to show us that Jesus indeed is who he says he is because he authenticates scripture and he fulfills scripture. He is the Messiah 
who came into the world to rescue us. And so we've been taking a look at the book of Psalms and how it's connected to Jesus. And the book of Psalms connect us to Jesus and Jesus fulfilling prophecy right before our very eyes. Psalms give us prophecy about Jesus coming to earth. So during this Christmas season, I want us to understand how Jesus fulfilled scriptures and how this can change our lives. So our celebration of Christmas really is all about God coming to earth. It's all about God coming in the form of man. Now, what's wonderful about the person of Jesus Christ is we are foretold who he would be and what his name would be. God makes this announcement to different people, whether it's Joseph, Mary, um, the shepherds. I want you to see how specific God was in announcing the birth of Jesus and who he would be, that he would not be any ordinary man. He just wouldn't be a great teacher or a prophet or a good man, but he indeed would be the son of God, God who came to earth to rescue us. And I love the announcement in Luke chapter two, where angel Lord comes to the shepherds who are attending their flock in a field and they're given the news about Jesus to go see this savior, this Messiah. And I want you to see what the angel said to the shepherds. Now, when the angel first came, out to the shepherd in their fields, they're afraid because usually when an angel showed up, it, it usually wasn't good news. And so they're, they're terrified at first. And I want you to see the good news that the angel brings. So let's look at Luke chapter two, verses 10 and 11. And it says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid because I bring you good news, glad tidings that will be called, that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior had been born to you and he is the Messiah what? The Lord. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The, the angel announces the title of Jesus, that he would be Messiah and he would be Lord. And what I love about the message of the angel to the shepherds is who this good news is for. This message is for all people. He has come for everyone, just not a select few. Why? Because every single one of us need a savior. And I believe the biggest stumbling block or the biggest hurdle for us coming to Jesus is this lordship issue. Because either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And I think we need to get the lordship issue settled in our hearts. Because I believe this is the hardest thing. Here's the reason why. Every single one of us have pride, don't we? Can I get an amen? Quiet golf clapper. Yeah, that's right, pastor. We do. And because of that, because of pride, we want to be in control. We want to be in control of our lives. And the hardest thing for us to do is to give up control. And I know probably no one in this room or online is a control freak, right? There's no one here that likes to control everything and just have everything in order, right? There's, there's no one like that here today, right? And uh, it is because we want to be in control. And pride, many times, we allow pride to get in our way. And because of that, we want to be in control. And so this lordship issue is so important for us to understand about the characteristic of Jesus uh, being Lord. But I want you to notice that when he comes into this world, he's going to fulfill the prophecies of a Messiah coming to this world. In fact, the name Messiah means anointed one or chosen one in the Hebrew language. So most of the language that the Old Testament was written in is Hebrew. And when it talks about a Messiah, it talks about a chosen one or anointed one. Jesus would be this anointed one, this Messiah that would come and rescue his people. Now, for many people, they thought the Messiah would come and rescue them from political tyranny. That wasn't Jesus' purpose coming the first time. It was to deal with our sin issue. But how many know that Jesus is going to come back again? 
and he's going to come back as king of kings and lord of lords and ride in on a white horse. So for those of you who are debating on whether or not animals are in heaven, we know that there's horses, okay? So for all you horse lovers, I am not one. They scare me to death, all right? We, we at least know that there's going to be horses in heaven. But we know that Jesus' second coming will come as king of kings and lord of lords. But Jesus' first coming, he still came as lord to deal with our greatest issue, and that was our sin issue. In the Greek language, the, most of the language that the New Testament is written in, we have this word for, for Messiah or anointed one, which is the word Christo, which is in English the name Christ, Jesus Christ. That's his title, Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. The angel's announcement also would let us know that Jesus would be Lord. Jesus was God incarnate or God with us in the flesh. Jesus wasn't another good person. And the reason for his lordship, this title of lordship, is to put Jesus on a level that's above everyone else. Every other great religious leader, anyone who's ever lived on this, on this earth, this would set him apart from everyone else. So what the angel was doing was declaring Jesus' divinity, that Jesus is God and he is Lord. There is no mistake on Jesus' purpose and who he was. This is what was declared about Jesus. So the Messiah is Lord would fulfill prophecy concerning this coming Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. So this is vital for us to understand because Jesus' divinity means that he wasn't just a man or a good man or a prophet, that he actually was God. And this is imperative for us to understand this lordship of Jesus Christ. So Jesus as Lord means he's equal with God. It was God himself that came to earth in the form of man to give his life for us. So Jesus being Lord means he is Lord of all. And, and there's no one like him. There's no Lord like him. And the, the, the Bible tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I just want to be on this side of the Lordship of Jesus Christ and bow now so I know I have eternal life instead of when you have to bow if you don't believe in the Lordship of Jesus Christ because every heart will confess that he is Lord whether you believe it or not. And that's what the scriptures tell. So we have to get this lordship down. And so I, I, I want to look into the New Testament uh, of a couple uh, times that we see in scripture where Jesus is called Lord. And the apostle Peter, he speaks on the day of Pentecost to all the Jewish listeners that were there. And they're seeing this great event when the church started, the Holy Spirit came upon the 120 and thus the church was launched into the world. And so, G and so what we see here is Jesus is proclaimed as Lord through the mouth of Peter. Peter speaking to the Jews and Peter speaking to those who weren't Jews or Gentiles exclaims the same idea of Jesus being Lord. So let's look at a couple of those passages. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, we see here Jesus' Lordship uh, expressed through Peter as he speaks to on, all the onlookers that are wondering what in the world's going on here as the Holy Spirit came and did miraculous things before their very eyes. And so Peter begins to speak and he says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain, for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both what? Lord and Messiah. Why did Peter say Lord and Messiah? Listen, listen closely. Listen, this is good. Just between you and I and everybody else online. Listen close. The Messiahship would authenticate the Old Testament prophecies about him. So for Israel, they wanted to see, for a Gentile, they probably didn't care much about that because they're like, okay, we, don't, we didn't study the Old Testament scriptures. 
that may not be that big of a deal for us. But for the Jew listening, absolutely. Because the Messiah would fill, would fill Scripture and would come in the line of David and sit on David's throne. So then you see the Messiahship, but also Peter, interestingly enough, says, Lord. Hmm, that's interesting. Because the lordship issue is going to be the most difficult thing for you to settle in your heart. That lordship issue is the difficult part. Am I going to make him Lord of all of my life? See, Jesus didn't come to be just part of your life. Jesus didn't come just to be a Sunday Jesus, right? Just a once a week Jesus where you have a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of yourself and you make your own decisions and you have maybe, maybe read scripture once in a while. Jesus says, no, I, I need to have the throne of your heart. I need everything. Because you know why? If, if he doesn't have everything, your life's going to be miserable <laughs> because you're going to try to please two masters. And if you try to please the world and try to please God, how many know that doesn't work out real well? Because you're going to end up serving one and not the other. And so that's why he needs to be Lord. And, and so Peter expresses this also to Gentiles, non-Jews that were listening to him. Acts 10.36, he says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel. So because you know that message that Jesus is Lord and Messiah, so they understood that. But listen to what Peter says here. He goes, the announcement of the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is what? Lord of all. Now, he didn't mention, it's interesting there, he didn't mention the Messiahship, but he did mention who is Lord of all to the Gentiles that were listening. That he is Lord of all. So our salvation is directly linked to our belief in the Lordship of Jesus. It's imperative. We're going to see that in Scripture in just a minute. We do not believe Jesus is a way to God or one of many ways to God. We believe through scriptures that he is the way. And our confession of the lordship is linked to his resurrection. We believe he is Lord because he is the only one to conquer sin and death for us. Jesus authenticates his lordship through his work on the cross and through his resurrection. No other person can make that claim. Jesus backed his claim of lordship through his resurrection. So our salvation rests on the fact of Jesus' lordship. Our confession of faith in Jesus Christ is the belief that he is Lord of all. Now, Paul writing to, to, the, to the Romans, he says, listen, I, I want you to understand something here about your confession of faith in Christ Jesus. What does it mean to truly trust Christ? What does it mean to be saved? Listen to Paul's words in Romans 10.9. He says, if you openly declare that Jesus is what? There it is again that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, saved from what? What does it mean? That's that's a nice Christian word. What does it mean to be saved? Well, what it means to be saved is saved from God's wrath or God's judgment. We no longer in Christ Jesus because Jesus bore our sins and the penalty because of our sins. What Jesus does for you and I through his righteous act and through his perfect life He appeases all the demands of a holy God as that perfect Messiah. So that's what makes him Lord because he was obedient to the will of his Father. And because of that, by us putting our faith in Christ, we can now receive the righteousness or be imputed with the righteousness of Christ and be made right before a holy God. It's all done through Christ Jesus. And so now we have the confidence to approach God through Christ Jesus, because our sins have been forgiven. The guilt of our sin no longer 
is held over our head. God's judgment is no longer towards us. We are forgiven in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? That's some, that's some good news. And so in the book of Psalms, we see that Jesus would be called Lord. And I want to look at one Psalm and look how it's connected to the person of Jesus Christ. In Psalms 110, this is probably one of the most cited Psalms in all of the New Testament. In fact, Jesus speaks this Psalm too to explain his Messiahship and his Lordship. So let's look at that together. Psalms 110 verse 1. This is a Psalm of David. And it says this, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now what in the world does that mean? The Lord said to my Lord. What, what did... What did David mean there when he was speaking this? So you see two lords, right? And so what, 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 what Jesus quotes here is he's talking about himself and his lordship. So what David does is David speaks to the coming Messiah and his title as Lord, one that would be greater than him, one that would be greater than David, one that would sit on the throne of David forever and ever and ever, and that would be fulfilled in Christ Jesus. So we see this conquering Lord, this conquering king. Isn't that a cool image? Okay, just me. Okay, anyways, this, you see this conquering Lord that his enemies have been put under his feet. Christ is Lord over our enemies. Jesus would conquer the enemy for you and I. No one is greater than Christ. He is Lord who sits at the right hand of God, that ultimate place of honor. So when Jesus died and went to heaven, the word of God says he sits at the right hand of the Father, that place of honor, that place of kingship, that place of lordship. So we see this and we know that Jesus is going to come back as that conquering king, Lord of Lords, white horse, pretty cool. I'm going to be right behind him on a donkey probably, but I'm going to be with him. I'm excited about that day. But listen, listen, we see this and sometimes when we see this conquering king, we need to see Jesus that way because he is Lord of all. He is that, that conquering king who puts his enemies under his feet. But I want you to see the other side because sometimes we can see the lordship or this kingship and we can think, well, it's just I'm subservient and it's this, um, I'm subject to this, and I'm coerced to follow because I have to, because Jesus gets me in a headlock, and I've, I've got to serve him, and I've got to give up all this stuff if I've got to follow Jesus. That's not the way with Jesus. Let me explain this to some of you who feel like you've got to give up everything in your life. Like, man, becoming a Christian is a killjoy. I've got to give up. Listen, when you truly understand the lordship of Jesus Christ, we willingly offer our lives to him not because we have to, but because we want to, because we understand the character of Jesus. Oh, I love this next psalm we're going to read that talks about the goodness and the tenderness and the mercy of Jesus as Lord. I love this psalm. And for some of you here today, you have stopped short of truly understanding Jesus and experiencing Christ because of something that may have happened in your past. Maybe you had a bad experience at church. And listen, every single one of us had a bad experience at church. Why? Because it's full of people. And people are messy and people make mistakes. Can I get an amen? Listen, the minute you find a perfect church, let me know. Because I'll leave this, I'll resign right away, I'll come there and I'll mess that church up, okay? Because there's no perfect place, there's no perfect church. And we sometimes go with this expectation that, oh, they're Christians, so they always have to be perfect. No, we're all sinners. We all, we all are going to make mistakes. 
And so some of us, we walk in and we look at church, we look at Christianity, we're like, well, I can't accept that because of what this person did or what this leader did. Listen, we all make mistakes and we, need, we all just need forgiveness for all the mistakes we've made in our lives. But listen to me closely. It doesn't change who Jesus is. Jesus is perfect and so many people stop short of knowing Jesus because of some past thing that has happened in their life and they stop experiencing Jesus because they allow this hurt or unforgiveness to take hold of their heart and they miss seeing that the Lord is good. So let's look at this verse here in Psalms 34, 8, 9. It says this. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. That the Lord is good. It says, oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord you godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Now, we see this parallel verses here in verse 8 and 9. We see, taste and see that the Lord is good and the joy for those who take refuge in him. And it says, fear the Lord. We respect and we honor the Lord for who he is in our life. We bow to his lordship. But I want you to see the goodness for those and the goodness that you will find when you bow to his lordship. And it's not one of, being coerced, once again, being made to. It's one of once you taste and see that the Lord is good, you're going to understand the fear of the Lord. You're going to understand who Jesus is and what God has done for you. And you will willingly want to submit to his lordship because God is good. Have you ever had someone um, say to you, hey, taste this, it's going to change your life. Have you ever had someone, Pastor Brandon, my associate pastor, he always says that. He goes, hey man, if you taste this, it will change your life. I'm like, okay, bring it on. Let's see. And you ha- have you ever tasted something and it wasn't that good? Like they, somebody swore by it and you're like, eh, survey says it wasn't that good. But have you ever had someone recommend a restaurant or recommend something and it was good? It blew your socks off? Have you ever? Have you ever? Now, um, my wife's a pretty good cook. She's a good cook. And she... Um, one of my favorite dishes she makes because I love Mexican food. I love it. Just anybody else with me? Anybody else could eat it every day like me? I just, good. The first service, they were duds. They just, no one liked, they're like, come on guys, get a life. But um, that's okay. We'll bring them along. We'll get them there. And she makes these Korean tacos. Oh, they're juicy. She does it in an instant, is it called Instapot, honey? Instapot, the it's chicken, right? I don't know. It's so good. I don't even know what it is. It just melts in your mouth. Have you had that? And you wrap it in the tortilla and then you put, you know, there's spices in there and you put a little sour cream and, and some cheese on there and some more cheese and some more cheese. You can never have enough cheese. And it's, Amen. Thank you. I just, I, I love cheese. I'm sorry. I do. And um, it's good. And you taste it. Now, how I many know, listen, you can't say Something's good unless you taste it. Don't lie. You can't. You've got to experience it, right, to know that it's good. Now, when we moved here uh, to this church 21 years ago, um, what I found out about Living Word, and I don't know if it's because we live in Wayne County and we're in the apple-producing place in the whole world, but I'll tell you what, you guys make some good apple pies. And... People kept telling me, oh, you got to try so-and-so's apple pie. You got to try. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's what everybody says. I did. And guess what? I tasted, and it was good. And you know what you have to have with apple pie? Cheese. You got to have cheese. 
How many are cheese people with your apple pies? Yes. My grandma got me hooked on that. I love cheese. It's got to be sharp. It's got to be the sharp. So I like going to Schutz or Schutz, however you pronounce it. I still to this day don't know how you pronounce that place. But they have like the 5X cheddar cheese that like cuts your tongue when you bite into it. That's the best stuff. You got to get that with your apple pie. But listen, you don't experience something unless you taste it and know that it's good. And I want you to understand something here. Here's what, here's what David tells us in the psalm. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You're not going to be disappointed. Don't allow your past, don't allow your past hangups, your past sins, all the mistakes you made to stop you. Don't allow what other people have done to you in your life. Don't allow that to stop you from knowing that the Lord is good and taste and see that the Lord is good. In fact, the word taste there is a metaphor to experience. And what it means there, what David wants to see is not just an experience, but a personal experience. That yes, we understand that Jesus is Lord, that he should have headship over our life, but he says not in a way that is just like coercive and not personal. But he says we can know Jesus as Lord, but also taste and know that he is good, that we can have a personal experience with him. We have a personal relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And and Peter reiterates this in his book. In 2 Peter 2, verses 2 and 3, listen to what Peter says, because he alludes back to this psalm. He says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So what Peter is saying is, he's saying, listen, grow up. He's saying, strive in your walk with Christ now. Now that you've tasted and you know God is good, you know that he's faithful, you know that he's Lord, you know that he's changed your life, that he's redirected your heart, that he's transformed you. Now that you know that the Lord is good, now grow in that. Strive in that. Don't allow the things in the world to sidetrack you from knowing that God is good all the time. Now, here's the question I want to finish with today. Is this. How do we know? that God is good and we can taste the Lord and know that he's good when I'm going through a difficult time. That's the hard part, isn't it? Is knowing that God is good when what I'm experiencing right now is not ideal. Or knowing that God is good when I'm going through a trial and God's not answering my prayer or this situation quickly enough. I want you to know that you can still taste and know that God is good even through your trial. Because it's through those trials that we know that we're desperate for God, that we need him to answer us, that we want to know that we want to know his peace and his comfort in our life. And so what do we do? We strive to grab hold of the Lord. And it's through those difficult times that we can know that God is still good because it's through those difficult times and those experiences, those difficult experiences that we go through that we grow the most. Amen? but we can still taste and know that God is good. See, that's where the Lordship comes in. Jesus, am I going to trust you when I don't see the answer before me? Jesus, am I going to trust your Lordship that you're still on the throne even though there's chaos all around me? I want to tell you today that no matter what goes on in our world, Jesus is still on his throne. And he's still Lord. And he's still sovereign. And he's still Lord over your life, but you have to keep him in that place of authority over our lives. See, some of you, you're struggling with the Lordship of Jesus because of some of the things that have happened in your past. 
See, when we make Jesus Lord and we taste and we know that the Lord is good, what Jesus does is he gives us his grace and forgiveness to offer that to other people who don't deserve it or haven't earned it. See, that's the difficult part of the lordship of Jesus. Am I going to bow to things that I'm not comfortable with or that I don't want to do because someone hurt me? And some of you, there may be some lordship issues in your life because of your past. Maybe there's unforgiveness. Maybe someone hurt you. Maybe you made some really foolish decisions in your life. Whatever it may be. See, the lordship issue comes to that point to where you say, Jesus, if I'm going to bow before your lordship and if I want to know that you're a good God, then I need your grace to offer that forgiveness. I need your help to walk through this even though I don't feel it, even though I'm hurt, even though I've held on to this bitterness. I need to give this to you. I need to bow before your lordship because I need you to be over my life because what I want to do in my flesh is I want to take care of it myself. How many of you know that doesn't work out real well? I want to hold on to bitterness because I feel like, you know, I, I'm, I'm punishing the other person by, by me holding on to that bitterness. And I mean, you know, that doesn't work because the only person you're punishing is who? Is yourself. See, the lordship issue in your life is this. Jesus, am I going to make you Lord of all these situations, the good, the bad, and the ugly? See, when you do that, that's where you will experience the goodness of God because God is faithful to help you through those things. And let me just say this. Is it easy? Absolutely not. But when we bow to his lordship and allow him to be lord over every situation of our life, we experience God's peace and his blessings like the scripture has said, that God is good and he's faithful to walk you through those things. And so we need to be experiencing the goodness and that relationship with Jesus every single day as we bow to his lordship and the difficult things in our life that we have to give to him. And then we have to have that personal experience with Jesus that we're seeking him and that we're knowing he's good. So no matter what you're traversing through in your life right now, whether it's good or it's bad or it's a struggle for you, I want you to know that God is still good. And I've got to remind myself of that every single day when the things I don't understand or when someone hurts you, you've got to remind yourself and you've got to keep repeating yourself, God, you're still good and I need to taste and see that you are good because if I'm left up to my own demise, I'm going to ruin everything. And I want your peace to guide me and to lead me as I bow before your lordship. And there may be somebody here today, you haven't bowed to Jesus' lordship. Jesus isn't going to cast you out. He says, come to me and I will no wise cast you out. For some of you, you may be dealing with a lordship issue in your life of a struggle that you're having in your life that you're just struggling to give this part of your life over to the Lord because you just want to take control of it. But the Lord's allowing you to continue to go through it. (laughs) If there would happen to any of you, you keep going through it and like, okay, Lord, I give up. <laughs> you know, it's like, God, I've got to give this to you because he wants you to experience his goodness. Jesus is Lord. Will you make him Lord? Jesus, Lord at thy birth. Will you make him Lord over the difficult things in your life? What comes from us making him Lord in our lives is we taste and we know that the Lord is good and he is faithful. And he will always be with us and he will always lead us and he will always guide us. He will never leave you or forsake you. Let's make him Lord of our lives as hard as it is. And whatever you're struggling with today, bow to the Lordship of Jesus and it will set you free. It will. It will. Let him take control of your heart and your life today. 
Would you bow your hearts with me? The worship team's going to come. We're just going to sing a wonderful song about Jesus's, Jesus being Messiah as we close the service. But would you just bow your hearts with me? How many of you just, you're here today and, and you're just saying, Pastor, I, I, I'm struggling with that lordship issue and there's, there's some things in my life that I'm holding on to. And it's, it's, it's becoming, it's really becoming, just it's taking hold of my heart and my life and it's disturbing my life because I need to let this go. I want to pray for you today that you would give that to the Lord today and taste and see that the Lord is good. There may be some of you here today that you haven't bowed to the Lordship of Christ, uh, the Lordship of Christ and made him your Savior. He wants you to do that today, to come to him, and he will no wise cast you out. The biggest decision you will make is that Lordship decision of making him Lord of your life. But he will never disappoint you because he's perfect in every way. People will disappoint, but Christ never will. So as we bow our hearts today, how many of you just by the race hand would say, Pastor, just, just pray for me today. I'm struggling with some lordship issues. Amen. Amen. That's okay. That's okay to be honest before the Lord in that way. That's good. He sees your heart. So Father God, as we bow before you, every single one of us, we struggle with lordship issues of giving you control. It doesn't mean that we don't love you or, or we're not serving you, but there's times in our life that we just want to take control and there are things that aren't going quick enough or fast enough. And Lord, it's hard to lay those things at your feet because we want to be in control. But God, I pray that we would give you preeminence in our hearts and our lives. That we wouldn't jump out in front of you, that we would allow you to do the work that you need to do in our hearts because you're a perfect, tender, merciful, gracious Savior that cares for us and wants us to grow and not allow sin to take hold of our hearts or allow our pride to get the best of us that can only lead to destruction. Your Lordship is perfect. Your Lordship is perfect. So Lord, we bow before today. May we taste and know your goodness even when things around us aren't good. May we know that you are still good. So I pray this for every person here today as we all struggle through the Lordship issue that you would grip our hearts to lay those things at your feet that need to be laid at your throne today. And we know that you will take care of us and that you will be gentle with us because you're a gentle, perfect Savior in every way. We love you, we thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me if you're able? And we're just going to love this song, this worship song. We're going to sing this in closing. Just sing it unto Jesus today. Let him touch your heart. God bless you.